Hello, lovelies, and welcome to another edition of LGBT in the Ring, your rainbow bastion for all things pro wrestling. I am your host, Brian Bell, here with you once again, and we have a very special episode in store for all of y'all today. Obviously, we didn't have an episode drop last Thursday because we uh, wanted to talk about the new biopic profiling Cassandro, perfectly titled Cassandro, uh, that came out in theaters last week and is now up on Amazon Prime Video streaming. Uh, of course, this is the story of the legendary Hall of Fame luchador um, who paved the way for so many in the queer pro wrestling world. And it is a wonderful film, and I am very happy to have as my guest this week to talk about it, a film critic and film festival programmer. Shayna Macy Warner is on the show uh, today um, to talk about Cassandro, and and uh, it's a really interesting conversation. I'm very happy to share it all with y'all here because this film is powerful. Um, Cassandra's story is powerful, and and no matter what form or how many times we get to tell it over and over again, it it impacts new audiences and new eyes and new ears, um, and so. Definitely check out the film, um, but stick around here for our conversation all about it. I will say, light spoilers, baby, light spoilers. So if that matters to you, go watch the film and come back. This is not going to go anywhere for all of y'all. But uh, yeah, let's talk about Cassandro. All right, y'all. Thank you so much for tuning in to LGBT in the Ring. We're just going to take a quick break here to let you know uh, ways that you can support the show. And say thank you to some very rad people that help make this show uh, as amazing as it is. Um, first off, if you would like to support the show, we are on Patreon now. Patreon.com slash LGBT Ring Pod. Multiple tiers there. For everyone that feels so moved to support this show, we've got numerous uh, patron benefits over there, uh, including bonus shows that are going to be coming out on a monthly uh, roundtable of those sort of things. So uh, definitely go over and check us out. Uh, again, patreon.com slash LGBT ring pod. Every single dollar that is uh pledge there to support the show is very very humbling and we thank you we also have a, a merch store over on brainbuster tees go to brainbustertees.com and search lgbt in the ring uh you get t-shirts tank tops all kinds of good stuff and you know always looking at some new things as well but uh, definitely check us out on brainbuster tees there as well you can follow the show on social media as well we're everywhere um, that we have accounts. We're at LGBT RingPod. That's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, co-host, <laughs> Mastodon, whatever. We're there. Uh, so follow the show there. You can follow me at WonderboyOTM on uh, Twitter and Instagram as well. We also want to give a huge thank you to Sarah and the Safe Word for the show's theme, uh, Formula 666, from the album Red Hot and Holy. You can find them on Twitter at STSW Band, or you can check out their music on both Spotify and Bandcamp. Another great way to support the show uh, is over at independentwrestling.tv. Check out IWTV 
for the best in current and classic independent pro wrestling, including live events from top independent promotions worldwide. You can use our code LGBT ring pod or visit uh, the URL tinyurl.com slash IWTV LGBT. And uh, whenever you, uh, as long as you use that code to open your account and keep that active, we get a kickback from IWTV. So your subscription to watch all the great wrestling that we talk about on this show uh, goes to support the show as well. Thumbs up there. Of course, if you want to read more of my pro wrestling writing, you can check out outsports.com. And if you are into video games, I also co-host a video game news uh, Twitch stream every Monday at uh, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. It's called the Mr. Video Game Super Show. Um, I co-host that with uh, two dear friends and Twitch streamers, uh, Slacker Kite and Lady Merwin. Um, just run through the, the week's gaming news or we throw on a game and play and just have fun and be dumb. It's it's great. But uh, you can check that out every Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific over at twitch.tv slash Entertainment. Sun like the star. With that said, let's get back to the show. What's up, guys, gals, and non-binary pals? Welcome back to LGBT in the Ring. And I have a very special guest on today to help us talk about the brand new biopic focused on one of the legends of not just the queer pro wrestling world, but Lucha Libre, the pro wrestling world as a whole, Cassandro El Exotico. Uh, and here to discuss the, the film, with me today is a uh, critic and a curator for multiple um, different places. You've seen their work in Autostraddle as well as uh, Pace Magazine, where they reviewed this film. Um, please welcome Shayna Macy Warner to the show. How are you doing today, Shayna? Hello, I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you for coming on. I'm I'm excited to sit down and, and chat with you about this. We were chatting a little bit before we hit hit record, but um, like obviously this film has definitely been impactful for a lot of people that have seen it already. As we're talking right now, um, the film is um currently streaming on Prime Video for anybody that that can wants to go check it out. Um, but you got a little bit of an early look at it whenever uh, at Sundance earlier yes. this year. Yes. I I couldn't believe it actually when it was finally time for it to come out. I feel like I've been waiting. I've been sitting on my hands waiting for people to be able to see Cassandro because it was one of the standouts for me this January. My God <laughs> <laughs> it's in January, January at Sundance. Um, and I was really hoping it would be a much wider theatrical release uh, because I, I just think it's something a lot of people would be very excited by and thrilled to see on a big screen. But but I'm glad it's out in the world, however it's out. I'm I'm with you. I was one of the, the lucky people that got to see it in a theatrical experience, you know, the one like theater out here in Portland that was showing it. Um, I ended up just going like on an afternoon, like during the week um, to check it out because I just, I knew I needed to see this film in, in that sort of experience just because I mean, one, like 
so much of my like professional career is dedicated to covering people like Cassandro that like if someone's going to tell his story, I it needs to be in in a proper setting. Um, you know, and yes. And that's as someone who doesn't necessarily get out to the theater as much anymore. Um, So I like it was like made a point of making sure that I saw it there before it came out on on Amazon. So, um, yeah, like I'm definitely understand that thought process. There's so much about like the way this film is shot and then the lighting and so much about like the performances that just obviously they'll come across no matter how smaller large the screen is but you just get so wrapped up in it like it felt like it felt like i was going to a pro wrestling show at times that's what i was going to ask you yeah (laughs) that's that's what i was going to ask because one of my one of my favorite things about this film is the way that they shoot the matches um and of course they do some you know montage bits and things as Cassandro's star is rising as the protagonist, you know, takes on the world. And so you get a lot of kind of super cuts of of his matches. But the way they shot the match when he was really in kind of in his uh well, had his game face on, basically, and was like in his mode as a performer felt so exhilarating and so thrilling to me. Everything about the film changed. The lighting changed and became more dramatic. The editing editing became uh, quicker and sharper. And you got these big, like, sonic moments, too, where he's just commanding the ring. And I was like, is that what it feels like (laughs) (laughs) to see pro wrestling as someone who has no experience seeing pro wrestling? I mean, it it very much can be you know depending on on where you're at and that sort of thing but like yeah like there's a lot about the way that they shot the wrestling in this film that that does translate in that way a lot not necessarily even just because of like the environment that it presents like obviously like that is a very one-to-one thing you you know going to shows and being in raucous crowds like that like that that translates very well but like even just the way that um that they gave the matches like space to breathe and space mm. for like you know um Gael Garcia Bernal to really like embody the like joyful and kind of cocky spirit of Cassandro in the ring you know hitting a move and then playing to the crowd or like hitting a move and then they're shaking the hips or like you know taunting like teasing the beso and that sort of thing like all these little elements that you know, are part of Cassandra, really bar- part of a lot of, you know, a lot of his articles for, if we're honestly speaking, but, you know, it really let uh, Garcia Bernal, like, capture the spirit of Cassandra within the structure of a match. And mm. I think that's something that can be missed. I've seen a lot of movies that are about pro wrestling or feature pro wrestling. And a lot of the time, like, the way that, pro wrestling matches that are shot or structured in those films like doesn't really translate it doesn't know it doesn't necessarily bother me like i'm not like a huge stickler for that sort of thing like i get it like nacho libre you're just trying to have fun in those settings right right? (laughs) but it it did endear it to me that that they were paying that close attention to it's not just about the physicality it's not just about 
the smacking one another around. It's also about ingratiating yourself to a crowd. It's about like riling people up and that sort of thing. Mm. I read a really great interview with the director, uh, Roger mm. Ross Williams, who this was his narrative feature debut. He's done a lot of documentaries before this and actually has like three projects coming out right now. Um, I know it's, of course, Cassandra just came out. He also has a, I think if is there a film or a series called the supermodels coming out on yes. Apple TV plus, which I'm very excited for. <laughs> um, and then I believe he did the 1619 project as well, but he did, uh, he did a documentary about Cassandro before he did this narrative feature. Um, and I, I read just like a really great interview with him in which he spoke about not having Gael Garcia Bernal talk to or meet Cassandro until right before they shot hmm. because they didn't want to have a mimicry of Cassandro in the ring it was more about putting you know Gael Garcia Bernal making his choices and and really embodying the spirit of the script and the character before he did a really in-depth you know person-to-person study of like facial movements and tics and the way some people will embody real life people that they're portraying in in uh, biopics so I think it's really interesting that you mentioned this energy, I guess, that that he's able to capture of Cassandra in the ring. And I think that I, I have a feeling that a lot of it is down to the actor being able to craft a bigger than life and holistic persona for himself rather than just trying to copy physicality. No, I could definitely, I could definitely see that, especially, you know, considering like there's obviously there's copious amounts of footage of Cassandra out there, right? Oh, so yeah. like there's very easily could have, you know, been part of the research for the role prior, prior to even meeting Cassandra is seeing that sort of thing. So you can kind of get an idea, but it really, it really is just like kind of this embodiment of the entire like exotico motif post like, the Cassandra, the Cassandro and Pipinella Escarlata era of sort of things, right? It's like this the exotico that plays up the effeminate, right? Yeah. But at the same time, you know, there is a distinct viciousness and physicality that is present there that can come out whenever wanted. And that's a trend that kind of started with with Cassandro and Pimpinella Escarlata, who does get a tiny, tiny cameo in this film. Um, as like I think there's a, a moment where uh Saul is like watching wrestling on TV, like grown up Saul and like laying on the couch and the match on the screen is a match featuring Pimpinella Escarlata, who was like Cassandro's contemporary at the time. Oh. Um so a little nod to Pimpy there. Um and so like it's just really cool it was really cool for me to to see that i don't know there were a lot of like little wrestling like easter egg things that i picked out of watching the film that were just really fun to see and that sort of I thing i love that yeah, yeah um, stuff that would go totally over my head <laughs> well i mean that's why that's why i wanted to have this conversation because i'm sure there's stuff that you know 
was there for you that would have gone over my head at times too. Like it, it, that's a beautiful thing about this film is that not only is it telling Cassandra's story, but this kind of ties into the larger like LGBTQ pro wrestling movement that we've seen over the last five to 10 years is that it's another avenue for people to be introduced to this world of pro wrestling and to learn a bit about it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this thing that can be a little bit, um, mystique in in a way right less so now than in the past but like it's still a thing that like if you don't know pro wrestling you have this like concocted idea based off of like wwe right as opposed to like all the different avenues and different ways and different artistic interpretations that pro wrestling presents nowadays you know like it's just an interesting way for people to be introduced to that to that world as well to that end i'm curious to ask you like seeing the film back in january and not really having any real history with with pro wrestling at all like what were what was your kind of takeaway from just like the wrestling focus bits of this Hmm, okay well i i did think it was exhilarating i what i found interesting or the the first thing that stood out to me i think was this idea of in Exotico, like a performer in the ring who also is queer, um, is not just performing the like effeminacy or like faggotry because that's the thing that their character is supposed to do, but actually being able to take that and put that into your art. Um, I found that, I mean, it was so fun to watch, of course, but it was also fun to think about it connecting to like an early um, American context um, of Gorgeous George. Mm, yes. I'm sure you've talked about, you know, ad nauseum <laughs> on this podcast. Um, but just thinking about that as like some of the first coded exposure that a US audience had to queerness on screen uh from from someone who is heterosexual and just using like larger than life cues flamboyance and then thinking about a queer person being able to do that in a story like cassandro i think was a really fun evolution and it made me think about wrestling more <laughs> i was like <laughs> i'm i'm missing something i really am um because you know for cassandro the the way they portray it and the way people tell his real story it is like his superpower um is using this flamboyance to win a crowd over rather than follow the the script that has been set for them of like if if this guy is queer which we're not saying he is but obviously look at his signals then we're supposed to boo for him. And then changing that narrative in something like wrestling, which is just like an artistic medium that I'm not familiar with. I was like, oh my God, so much storytelling. There's a hero's journey. There's <laughs> a, an underdog. Like I was, I was thrilled. I was really excited to be watching it for the wrestling. Mm. Well, I can tell you like all of that, 
definitely still a major part of of the pro wrestling world uh-huh. <laughs> and one of the things that i truly adore like i love like the physicality of it but give me something that gets me emotionally invested and in, like mm. uh, in there and i mean the outfits too i will say oh, the looks Huge. are looks lovely. are everything yes. are everything his whole <laughs> the whole way that they portrayed Saul coming up with what his outfit would be to me was something so perfect for film. You know, it's like so well suited to just the realization moment of someone beginning to succeed. And so his his taking what he and his mother had been, you know, made fun of for um, and kind of outcast for and changing that into changing her outfit into something triumphant for himself and also at the same time like just so ostentatious was so exciting and I was like yes I I would like to see every outfit he comes up with if it gives if it imbues this kind of uh triumph and and excitement in it (laughs) There's a really good, um, like kind of short documentary that Vice did about Cassandra that kind of gives a peek into his closet. So oh my there's, God. A, there's definitely so if you want to get a look at some of the 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 stuff that's been made for him and and the robes and stuff like that that he's made for himself and other people have made for him, like that's a very good pl- uh, place to go check that out. So uh, yes, as as soon as I'm off of this call, absolutely. Thank you. Yes, no worries. <laughs> But I'm glad that you brought up like that moment where, you know, he's makes his like that, that, that leopard print outfit Mm -hmm. from his, his mother's clothing, because I think that speaks to, you know, there's a lot to talk about in terms of like Cassandra, like the wrestler, the wrestling side of things in this film, but so much of the heart of the film is focused on Saul, the man behind Cassandro, and mm-hmm. you know, just his real life story and and all these things that, you know, both the joy, the confidence, and the the immense pain and trauma that informed, you know, his experience and and kind of shaped him into who he is now. The amazingly, incredibly positive and impactful person that he is, despite like what his body and mind have been through. Like, mm-hmm. I think one thing that sticks to me, there's a um, another queer um, pro wrestling writer that has been on the show, um, DJ Accident Report of the Nobodies um, in Brooklyn. Uh, and back in 2021, there was a, a tournament that was established um, called the Cassandra Cup, named after, in honor of Cassandra. It's a, LGBTQ pro wrestling tournament, like the top eight, like, you know, eight of the best LGBTQ pro wrestlers on a, have a one day tournament and the winner gets the Cassandra cup sort of thing. And to commemorate that, like TJ accent report kind of wrote a piece about why Cassandra kind of embodied that spirit and what Cassandra meant to the greater LGBTQ pro wrestling world. And in that piece, he called Cassandra the patron saint, of LGBTQ for wrestling um, because of like what that terminology kind of represented in terms of pain, sacrifice, as well as the the joy and the, and 
the legacy and that sort of thing that that Cassandro kind of made for not just himself but everybody else that's come in the last 35 years behind him mm. um but that moment with when Saul is is making that outfit from his mother's clothing like oh my god like it it says so much about the relationship that Cassandro had with his mother both in terms of what the film shows as well as like the real life relationship too because like obviously in in any film where like you know based on a true story like there's going to be like details that are like moved around a little bit like little changes here and there and that sort of thing and like and Cassandra was no outlier in that there are a few things that are changed which is is fine but um my god the the way that they portray his relationship with his mother in this film played beautifully by uh, Perla de la Rosa. Um, it's just, oh my God, just so heart-wrenching and heartwarming and at time, like both of them at the same time at points. It's just, ah. Oh. Mm-hmm. I loved how complicated it was. I I was thrilled by that. There were, there were pieces of Cassandra's uh, love affair with a closeted wrestler that I mean made me just terribly sad and I would say that 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 was one of the only parts of the film that I was kind of like it it felt a little maudlin um, at times it felt a little overdrawn even though I I mean I really enjoy both of the actors I thought they had great chemistry I thought they had an interesting relationship and it was pretty predictable that it would be a closeted one and an affair um but it did seem it seemed a little drawn out to me especially in contrast to the like extremely brief uh goes nowhere flirtation that Saul has with the character played by Bad Bunny (laughs) I was like what I don't know I thought there would be some other type of contrast in the film from this like very well passionate but very tortured relationship to this flirtatious also a little tortured goes nowhere romantic relationship so those those were the two things in the film that like I if I had to give a criticism to something which is my job I I would I would say that those it didn't really go anywhere for me but the relationship with his mother is complex it's fleshed out there's a lot that isn't said um and it feels true to life in which someone it perhaps you know i'm i'm speaking from my own experience but as as a queer person who has relatives or loved ones who do not understand queerness whatsoever <laughs> um and you know there's always a choice in and how you can continue to relate to those people especially as you grow older how much of yourself you share with them or even allow them access to but this in-between relationship in which his mother loves him so much, encourages him to one day settle down with a nice boy, you know, who actually cares for him, who can fully show his love. And at the same time, 
resents Cassandro for this superpower of flamboyance and queerness um, because it's reflective of her own failure to keep Cassandra's father. So it's it's so rich. It's so layered. And I love that they mean so many different things to each other. That felt that felt like a very special relationship to see on screen. Yes. And and I love how like that dynamic switches so quickly at times too because it, it, it adds into the realism of it. like all the the scenes of like just them hanging out in the car by the softball field because like his mother just wants a glimpse at this man who was driven away because his son was gay right, right. which we also know is not cannot actually be the reason that the <laughs> father left you know there's you know it's because she had an affair with a married man yeah. You know, it's it's not it's not her son's fault, but it's in those moments that's what she can grasp onto as the reason to not blame herself, but yeah. to blame her son instead. It's, I mean, it's uh, it's a little despicable, right? If you think about it, if you think about blaming any child, but especially a child's queerness for like breaking up what was already an extramarital affair. It's it's complicated, but it there was so much meat to it, even in those like silent moments when you just see them watching the father. It was mm-hmm. yeah, mm, delicious. <laughs> no, and and I think like these this these moments and and these like very complex like relationship dynamics, um, kind of speak to one of the major takeaways I had from this film was that mm-hmm. even with all of the changes to from the real life story to the on screen story that were there, like so much about like the the spirit and the um actual like emotions around those things are still present even with the changes that were made in a way mm-hmm. because like in reality, you know, Cassandra's mother and father were married uh, for like thirteen years. Like there and that sort of thing, and but at the same time, like you know, his father was, de- like devoutly religious at the time, and like his homosexuality, his coming out was part of the thing that that really pushed his father away. But at the same time, like, like you said, it can't be the only thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like that can't be the only reason why that that marriage dissolved, and and you still have the pain of anybody that that goes through a divorce and and still pines after the person that you know they were with for so long like that still is there and that can you know foment resentment that can foment so many different things alongside all of the love um and care that you have for for a child in a way you know like it's it, it was a very very like close needle to thread for mm-hmm. for Williams with with the film as well as the script and I think that he he nailed it in in more than in more occurrences than he didn't with with this film personally um yeah you know another another aspect of that that really spoke to me was the character of, of Sabrina or Lady Anarchia as oh, as, yeah. as we see which you know amazing ama- <laughs> amazing character um I, I loved I loved her. Um, but it's interesting like how many different like 
people she embodies, like from from the real life story of Cassandra in this film, you know, because like, you know, in the film, like she's the one that kind of pushes him to become an exotico. Um, she's the person that kind of helps train him further to to reach these larger heights. And like it's it's interesting that, you know, that character kind of takes the place of both uh in some ways, both like Cassandra, one of Cassandra's like original trainers, like the original uh, Rey Mysterio, who's a, a legendary luchador in Mexico, but also the character who like really or the person who really kind of pushed um, Saul to embrace being an exotico in the first place, uh, Baby Sharon, who was an exotico wrestler himself, who was also out gay. And he came out in like the seventies, whenever he was wrestling. So like mm. back whenever it was like a very very rare occurrence, you know, um, for that to happen. And you know, it it's interesting like the the route that was taken in that way to to have a different character there to represent that. Um, also, kind of took a a, a little bit of the place of of Pimpy, uh, Pimpinella Escarlata in like you know the the time before the big match with El Hijo de Santo. Um, you know, wherever he's, um, you know, just struggling in the hotel room and, and you know, just blitzed to no end and emotionally distraught. Like, um, it's like all of these different kind of characters are kind of embodied by this one person. And that can be a very hard thing to pull off and still keep the the kernel of those relationships intact. And I feel like that is wonderfully captured by the performance yeah i mean i didn't i didn't know about any of these real life uh inspirations or coaches or mentors and i think that it was really nice to have it just narratively it was very clean to have just one person embody all those people um it it definitely did feel like a little out of time sometimes right and i think <laughs> perhaps that just might be because these are some very contemporary faces like we we know them we know uh roberta colindres from many many different queer shows um and we know raul castillo as well from from similar queer shows <laughs> i think they're on the same they're both on vita yes um, raul's on looking uh you know they they kind of occupy the same extremely gay extremely like culty kind of media <laughs> so <laughs> it was it was very funny to see them especially matched up against uh gail garcia bernal in this because he he is his own kind of like cultish queer media figure so i think that like that was one thing that actually took me out a little bit sometimes that i was like what where are we what time is this supposed to be again <laughs> but um but their chemistry was so good especially roberta and gail's that that relationship felt really successful um, and of course, like I said, I didn't know about who she might be representing, but it felt like a very lived in and supportive and thoughtful 
depiction of a relationship. And I enjoyed that a lot. And I think she's a star. Um, Definitely agree. Yeah. And I I really, I want to see her. I like this. This I think is her biggest film role so far, actually. Hmm. Like in, in a, yeah, I, I would say so. She's mostly been in, in theater and TV. And seeing her do this, seeing them be each other's sidekicks for a bit was very fun. And I was like, I just, I want to see her in a starring role. That's another thing I took away from this film. Mm. I'm I'm with you on that for sure. Like she just nails every every bit of this role for me. And, and it's a wonderful, amazing performance. Um I want to go back to to Raul's uh performance here el comandante uh-huh. yes <laughs> <laughs> because i you mentioned like the the your critiques on like the relationship that that is present there in the film between um saul and um and Gerardo, um or Geraldo, sorry um ugh. anyway um <laughs> but and, and i agree with you like yeah there, it, it does feel like it's kind of stunted in the end in, in a way but one of the, the things that, that i really pulled from from Rose's performance is that that pain of being closeted and and seeing someone who can shake off that coil mm. in a way and and be truly out there in in the way that that Cassandro is um it speaks to i think so many people during that era you know like the late 80s early 90s so to speak that um were in pro wrestling but because of the nature of pro wrestling and how queer identities were treated both in terms of like on camera and behind the scenes and by audiences that like it's not something that it's something that that if you do come out it comes with a huge price mm-hmm. and obviously like a part of that price for him is his wife and family in in this film but oh yeah there's also so much about his career that could be derailed too in a way even though cassandra was here like kind of changing that game i mean i think the biggest the biggest moment for me in that is like that moment at the bar after cassandra comes back from the match with el rio de santo where everybody's like kind of talking to him and asking him about like oh like did you see him without a, does he ever take his mask off like do you see the trophy room and all this other stuff and like you have them kind of like you know having their conversation in between that while trying to you know keep everybody off the scent in a way and and like you see like there's a jealousy there that can very easily be taken as like you got to wrestle El Hijo de Santo in Mexico City, like on one of the major lucha promotions for a major lucha title. And like, I want that for my career, but also at the same time, like is this pain of this relation. He knows this relationship can't continue as mm-hmm. much as he might want it to. And he knows that like in some ways that Saul has outgrown him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's just like all these different complex emotions just ball up together until like ultimately like it's just he's out of his life. Yeah. Well, it felt I think I feel it felt a little anticlimactic. Um, Yeah. 
in that way. I, I think that if this had not been about Cassandro, right? If this had not been about the real figure, then I I think possibly the story could have been expanded more. This relationship could have been fleshed out more. And we could have gotten more of that from the perspective of Raul's character of someone achieving something that he can't do just diving a little deeper into it because I like I see the threads that are there and they're they're familiar because this story this setup of somebody being out and somebody being closeted is like tale as old as time yeah right so it it makes sense like it you can pull things from it it makes sense it it's kind of clean but i just i i wish that they had either dove into it more or cut it even shorter that's how i feel and they didn't dive into it more um <laughs> i i think you're you're pulling things that are like really sensitive and really smart <laughs> and it's like right yes our audience will do the work for us but i just like i wanted i wanted more i wanted more from it (laughs) i can i can totally understand that i definitely been accused of reading too much into things at times um (laughs) i don't i don't think you read into it too much whatsoever i think this is like a fantastic through line if if it had actually gone all the way through and we would have had a love story between two wrestlers you know that would have been the the center focus Mm -hmm. i think that could be quite a film yeah i think another aspect of of the film and and that that really really stood out to me and it's kind of like i hesitate to say a trope at this point, but a very like heavy aspect of like queer media um, mm-hmm. as it's kind of grown is, you know, really the idea of chosen family. And oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. You know, like it's it's so much on display between like, um, you know, Sabrina or like his mother um, and the, all the way up till like the very end of the movie, like, you know, with his father, you know. Um, like that that scene is extremely powerful i think um in the same way that a lot of those we we've seen a lot of similar scenes in in queer cinema over the years right but like it doesn't take away the impact of of that like show closer in a way yeah i i think that you know the idea of a trope in storytelling we use it very much as a dirty word yeah like uh uh it's that trope. Uh, it's the blonde and brunette trope again. Uh, it's the, you know, <laughs> uh, which of course is particularly prevalent in in lesbian storytelling. Yes. Um, but there's that aphorism that you know something is a trope because it's true. It's common, um, and I think that. If we're, you know, if we're lucky enough to form bonds strong enough with people we actually want to be around and support, uh, chosen family can be a, a really 
special kind of trope to see you know it's a hopeful one um and i and i think that the like the reconciliation with his dad not not that it was like a full forgiveness or anything or that it was you know welcoming him back into his life it's like the fantasy completion of that trope i think and Roger Ross Williams has talked about, well, he already did a documentary. So he felt more empowered to write things in that sort of wish fulfillment sense. Or to like futz with details a bit, because the real story is out there for everyone to see. But now this is the time to take what couldn't have been made or couldn't have been talked about in a documentary because it didn't necessarily exist exactly that way and spin it a little bit into something that they wanted to see on screen. Yeah, and I, I think that another moment that exactly what you're speaking to was the um, the the scene where we see Cassandro guesting on El Gil Dos Santos' talk show, Experiencias. Yes. Which, by the way, that entire episode of Experiencias is on YouTube. It is a kitschy, fun thing to check out. Um, I don't, I don't speak Spanish, and there's no subtitles, but you can get enough through it. But um, the whole thing's up there, and I, I am, I love the scene, and I love obviously like with you know the the young boy in the audience, like you know speaking to Cassandro and about how like seeing him empowered him to come out to his father, and his father being there, and being very supportive, and that sort of thing. Like that's a, that's a wonderful thing to see, and I think speaks to that sort of idea of you know shooting the wish fulfillment sort of thing in, in this film. Um, because, and that is a very real thing, not maybe not necessarily that moment, but what Cassandra was meant to so many people like that, that is yes. for sure a sentiment that is captured in the film. But um, I love the fact that they included that part of the story because um, I hope it pushes more people to seek out the actual episode and this is just a very mm-hmm. funny little Easter egg thing for me because, yes, the interview is is very powerful, you know, and like El Hijo de Santo and Cassandra were very, very close friends since that match in 91 that is featured in, in the in the movie. Um, but the way that <laughs> the way that El Hijo de Santo opens that that episode of the show like he he goes to his trophy room where you see just all of the masks of people that he's taken their masks in like in mass versus mass matches and that sort of thing but to kind of like introduce cassandro he pulls out like a little glass case that has hair in it and it's actually cassandro's hair from whenever they had a hair versus mask match that El oh, Santo beat cassandro in and he still has the hair in this trophy room as like a trophy <laughs> And it's just a beautiful, like, only in Lucha is this mm-hmm. a thing that, like, people are like, oh, I'm not even going to shake a head at. Oh, yeah, no, that that's a, that's a major trophy for him to have. Yeah, it makes sense that he would just have a, a glass case with Cassandra's hair in it, that Farrah Fawcett. so <laughs> fucked. That's so <laughs> fucked. I mean, it's amazing. <laughs> it's really funny. And it's like, yes. Oh, the drama. Oh, the melodrama of it all. It's fantastic. But like, oh my God, his hair. (laughs) 
that okay I I wrote this in my review and I just like it was just like one line but I do think about it a lot that you know you get the spirit of Cassandra for sure and I was like yes I'm all in I'm I'm here for Gael doing this but the hair was just not right (laughs) like isn't that one of his most iconic just like piece pieces of his iconography it's his hair yes and they just i i'm sorry fine he's <laughs> platinum blonde but the it just it wasn't tussled enough it wasn't like blown back enough there was there was hairspray for sure it was stiff but i needed it to be glorious and it yes. just it just wasn't you need to blow that sucker out yeah force <laughs> exactly exactly so there we go that's those are my those are my criticisms of this film um not enough hair and and the queer romances fell a little flat that's it but everything else i had a great time i had a really great time and i i'm astounded and like happy that I can be like, yes, I will be trying to go to my first professional wrestling match because I saw Gael Garcia Bernal look really hot as a wrestler in this film. <laughs> <laughs> That's what brought me out. There you go. <laughs> a win. Very a win much for so. all involved. <laughs> I know we're gonna coming up on, on time a little bit here, but I did have one more question for you in regards to the film. You know, um, Roger Ross Williams, obviously very accomplished in the documentary world, Academy Award winner. Mm-hmm. This being his like narrative debut, um, and and knowing your work in terms of like curation and that sort of thing, like how did how did you feel he translated to to narrative filmmaking? I thought he did very well. Um, this, I mean, this certainly is. It didn't feel like a first time feature for me because it wasn't you know he he has so much experience behind the camera um i liked that he was so invested in as i'm learning from this interview with you like really laying those easter eggs you know the world was real um so i i enjoyed that i feel like i i wasn't concerned about it when i was watching um but no, I thought he did a great job. I thought that he had a really great connection with his star. That you could just tell that like the camera loved Gael. And he he had been chasing him for years to do this part. And I think you can tell. Um yeah, I I thought he I thought he did a fantastic job. I'm excited to see what he does next. And I, I hope that all his projects do really well so that he does get the chance to tell more stories that are so grounded in reality, but they can get, I think, blown up to a very beautiful cinematic treatment. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm with you, I think. Like, I, I felt like this was a, a perfect, like, to not necessarily to use a pun, but like perfect coming out party in terms of like narrative <laughs> filmmaking for him. Even though like it's it's so interesting to like kind of 
classify those two because like documentary is still narrative filmmaking. Oh, you know, sure. it's just a different form in a way. There's different artistic elements that might go into it, yeah. that sort of thing. But like non nonfiction and fiction. You there know, we go. Big, That's the big, better <laughs> big air quotes behind that too, because yeah. it's a documentary, every ever really nonfiction, yeah, whatever. <laughs> we could we could go into that. But yes <laughs> that that's another conversation that's gonna be like an hour plus long <laughs> yes yes come with us come with us and let's let's talk about not wrestling but instead <laughs> can the camera ever really be objective yeah Ooh. different different podcast uh i'd be here for it though that's very interesting <laughs> i'm same. i know i know i'm like we're losing your listenership right now i'm so sorry <laughs> oh no it's fine i'm sure that they are enthralled by this but no but um shada this has been so much fun i'm glad that you were able to to take the time out to to come on the show and talk a little bit about the film and i'm excited that it's kind of pushed you to maybe go to a wrestling show yeah here or there Oh, absolutely. It's it's been my pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me. And I I know it's going to happen because I went to the first basketball game I've gone to in like years and years because I it's like you're like Shana, that's basketball not soccer, but because I watched Ted Lasso and I was like sporting events look fun. <laughs> <laughs> this this is how you get me to do anything. You just put it in a movie, put it in a TV show and I'm like <laughs> i'm i'm a sports gay now there you go thank you thank you so much for inviting me on this oh of course of course let everybody know where they can uh find you online and check out your work oh yes so i i have a a somewhat dormant substack um which has been dormant because i just turned in a manuscript um all about oh yes all about (laughs) uh the evolution of queer characters and presences on television um, but if you want to keep up, my Substack is shanamacy.substack.com, um, M-A-C-I, Macy. And I'm also on Instagram very actively at Bernadette Teeters. It's like Bernadette Peters, but it's T-E-E-T-E-R-S. Ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Lots of movie opinions there. Lots of queer yelling there. Um, and maybe, maybe some wrestling commentary now. Who knows? Ooh. Ooh, <laughs> I'll be looking forward to it. <laughs> it's gonna be really bad. Don't worry. That's I'm, okay. I'm not coming. Not coming for your gig. That's all right. There's room. There's there's room for all of us. At as the I as I've now learned, more than two hundred plus out wrestlers that you yes. have to narrow it down to. Maybe journalists too. Oh, there's plenty of them. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you again, Shana. Of course. My thanks once again to Shayna for taking the time to to come on the show and being very open-minded and very embracing of the pro wrestling world via Cassandro's story. Um, it was just a really great uh, conversation and really great to to have a chance to talk to, to Shayna. Definitely go check out their review of the film over at uh, pacemagazine.com. And definitely, again, check out the film for yourself. It's so so good it's so good i cannot recommend it enough that's going to do it for us this week on the show um thursday we're going to have a a special episode going up an episode of our patreon exclusive show um required reading you know we 
are, of course, as previously announced, we're doing that episode focused on Bray Wyatt and uh, the film that we are doing along with uh, the Bray Wyatt match will be uh, going up. That conversation with Hollis and I will be going up on the on the feed here as well as going up for free on the Patreon at patreon.com slash LGBT ring pod for everyone um, before we get back to doing some exclusive shows. But of course, if you want to get the Patreon exclusive shows that are behind the paywall, you can join the roster of lovelies as well. Um, of course, $3 a month gets you uh, a spot on the roster alongside names like Val Capone, Jerry Legend, and Alex E. And of course, $5 a month gets you all of the bonus shows, every episode of Required Reading so far, um, plus you know our first episode of uh, Oops All Fun Ones, which Again, I do have another one of those in the works here, so we're getting stuff rolling towards the end of the year. QWI season is coming up pretty soon. That is, oh, that is fast approaching. <laughs> so, um, but definitely, go if you want to support the show that way, um, you can go do so at patreon.com slash LGBT ring pod. Um, I understand financial support is not always the easiest thing for everyone, so just spread the word about the show, rate and uh, review on your podcast service of choice, all that good stuff. Yeah. Um, so let everybody know that we're still here and that we're still kicking and going strong because we definitely, definitely are. <laughs> I'll, um, we will say goodbye for this week, but until next time, y'all stay messy. Wash your hands, wear your mask, get vaccinated and boosted if at all possible. Um, and congrats to Shay Monet, Helen, Charlotte Campbell, and Dark Sheik. Bye. Six, six, six.